This week's episode of Carton Sack Podcast is brought to you by the new Relax Fit Parson Todrick sneakers from Skechers. Cool, sporty style and well cushioned comfort harmonize well in the Skechers Relax Fit Parson Todrick shoe. Lightweight knit mesh fabric and smooth synthetic upper in a slip-on stretch lace front. Sporty, casual, comfort sneaker. Oxford with stitching and overlay accents. Air-cooled memory foam insole, flexible comfort midsole, and more. All with this Skechers product. Now hit that ish. Sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. How do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome into the 45th edition of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. It is my pleasure that you all are listening to this. We have a huge slate of things to talk about. We have the Bulls are set. I'm not going to give you full breakdowns and everything of that just yet. That's going to come next week after the Army-Navy game this Saturday. I'm going to have my full bull prediction show the next week after this, so don't worry about that. But... We do have to talk Heisman, who I think is going to walk away with that coming up. We can talk about what happened in the championship games from last Saturday. We also have NFL talk that we need to get into, maybe a little NBA, not really any college basketball, nothing exciting happening just yet. But what I'm super excited to get into right after this introduction is the mail sack. The mail sack is back. I got some great questions last night and today from all the listeners that submitted them. So I'm going to get to that right away. So let's open up the mail sack right here on Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. All right, we open things up with a barrage of questions from Polly Marino. She sent in four of them, such an inquisitive young woman. Her first one is, what's your least favorite sport? Um, Probably, like, the winter, like, Olympic sports. I Hockey, I like hockey, but, like, skiing and stuff, I don't really mess with that swimming I don't really like a lot um running like track I would say track probably that's a sport so yeah track track is my least favorite sport another question she asked is who's the best female athlete I think Serena Williams is the best female athlete um Abby Wambach also sprung to my head when that question was asked but I think Serena takes it she also questions men's field hockey question mark um, no, men probably, there are, I don't think there is men's field hockey, and if there is, that's fine, but it doesn't get really that many, uh, notoriety or anything like that, so, yeah, sure, men's field hockey could be a thing if it wants to be. She also asked, should women be allowed to play football? Um, 
yeah, but no. Like, women are, like, and this is not me trying to be rude or anything. Like, I don't think that they would be suitable in today's NFL, how violent it is to suit up and play and everything. I understand, like, at a young age when girls might want to play and everything, that's totally fine. And in high school, too. But you don't see any in college and you don't see any in the pros for a reason. I just think that they understand the girl, them being girls that have played in maybe high school and stuff that they can't compete at a high level like college or the pros. So they just don't. If there ever was a woman that wanted to play in the NFL and was good enough to and accepted the risk and everything that came with it, I'm totally fine with it, but I just don't foresee that happening um, anytime soon, but I'm not opposed to it, Polly. Um, next question we have from Zach Berger, a.k.a. ASAP Berg. Do the Packers have any chance of making the playoffs? No, they don't. I don't think statistically they're out of it just yet, but no, I don't think they have really any chance, unless they let Aaron Rodgers just run the offense that he wants to run and says, here, here's the playbook, you decide what you want, but Packers getting rid of Mike McCarthy too, um, one of the only few coaches um, that were Super Bowl champions to get fired before the season ended, I think only the second one ever. It was time. Mike McCarthy had been slowly going downhill year after year after year, and you lose to this Cardinals team that is not good. Josh Rosen, rookie, the defense, not anywhere near as good as it should be, and you lose to them. Just, I don't think you need to blow the whole thing up. You have a lot of good pieces with Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, um, Devontae Adams. Get another receiver in there. But Aaron Rodgers makes any of the receivers that he has good. Work on the defense a little bit. Sure up the O-line. And, I mean, y'all be just fine in the NFC North for years to come until Rodgers is done. But this year, no, no chance. Um, Two questions rolling in from Kelly Forden all the way from Chicago. This is a national – well, yeah, this is a national podcast. Not a world podcast yet, but national. Um, Is Mike Dicka really your father? There's a backstory to this that I'm going to have to provide so you all can understand it. Um, there's a picture that I have framed that is in one of my friend's houses now that was hanging up in my house in Louisville, brought it up to Lexington, and they took it because it's such a great picture. But it's me and Mike Dicka. I'm probably 10 to 12 years old. I'm not. 100% sure, but I'm young, and I'm shaking his hand, and <clears throat> it was at my house last year in Lexington, and Emma Steer, one of our mutual friends, Kelly's and I's friends, sees it and goes, oh my gosh, that's such a like cute picture of you and your dad, and told people that was a picture of me and my dad, whatever, whatever, um, it's a picture of me and my dick up, would it be dope that my dick was my dad, yeah, totally, like, who the hell wouldn't want him as his dad, as your dad? But not the case. But she had people believing Mike Dicka was my father. Wasn't no Mike Dicka is not my dad. Rick Karras, Robert Eric Karras, whatever you want to call him, uh, you call him that. I call him dad. He is my father. Um, the next question Kelly asks is, "What's your favorite touchdown celebration to date?" There are a bunch of great celebrations. You can look at Joe Horn pulling out the phone. Um, for the Saints 
years ago. You can look at Mike Thomas calling back to that and paying homage to him. I know it's paying homage, but homage to him this year and doing it. You can look at Chad Ochocinco's run where he um, had the Hall of Fame jacket. That's very high up there for me. One of my favorites is the Lambeau Leap. Um, Not my all-time favorite by any means, but I think if I were to ever score in Lambeau Field, I would for sure do that whether I was on the Packers or not. I'm a big fan of what Zeke did two years ago where he jumped into the Salvation Army bucket. That was very, very cool. I like that. Great use of a prop. My favorite, though, which... Eh, like you might think it's eh, but I just like that he did it every single time. But when Ladanian Thompson back in the day when he was on fire, when he would score, he'd just take the ball, stick it out, put his other offhand that the ball wasn't in behind his head and just flick the ball up in the air. You can't see it right now, but I'm doing it. I'm killing it right now in my studio. But to me, that was always just one of the cooler things that was done and was so consistent so that's my that's to me that's the best one because anybody can do it I grew I mean I was a lineman growing up I was never going to score a touchdown or anything but in like recess games and stuff I would do that so yeah that is my best touchdown celebration to date moving on we have a question from Logan Blue who asks what should the college football playoff do to fix their system top six top eight um The system isn't necessarily broken, I feel like. People do have qualms about it, and fan bases are always going to be upset because their team didn't get in. I think the committee does do a good job most of the time getting the four best teams in. So it's not technically broken, but to fix it, you might as well just go to top eight and give the two top teams a bye and then make the other games the highest seed have home field advantage or if you want to do just top eight seeds and not have buys just do one verse eight two verse seven all the way down and have the home the higher seeds have the home field advantage but what is questionable is okay well you have top eight but why can't you have the top ten like are 9 and 10 really that bad? Okay, well, 9 and 10 are there, but top 15, like, should they be excluded? Well, these other teams in the top 20, they're, they're pretty good. Well, what? why not the top 25 then if you're going to have the top 20? In no way do I foresee the college football playoff getting, like, a huge field of anything like that. I think if they do do it, I mean, Mike Leach had a very good point in an interview recently where he was like, well, look at what high school does. Look what Division Three does, Division Two, Division One A, or whatever that is. They all have a similar playoff playoff format where the top sixteen teams are in. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with top six. I'm fine with top eight. More than likely, I think if they're gonna do an expansion, they're gonna add more teams than just two. So go to eight. Because you're going to make more money, you're going to get more games, more revenue for the schools, more revenue for the NCAA, just and advertisements, stuff like that. I feel like if you're going to go and make a change like that, you might as well just maximize it as much as you can. Say, screw the two and go to eight. So, 
There's your top eight. There's your answer. A question now from John Fisher from Cincinnati. Like I said, we are a national podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Best non-New Year's Six college football playoff bowl game. Well, let me see here. There are a couple I'm looking forward to. One, I have to mention Cincinnati versus Virginia Tech. Cincinnati got boned. They have to play Virginia Tech in Maryland. I know not like super, like it's not a home game, but it's, Pretty fucking close. Cincinnati is better than the game they're in. I know they finished third in the AAC behind UCF, Maryland, and Cincinnati, not Maryland, Memphis, and Cincinnati. I get that, but they deserve to be in a better game. I think Cincinnati wins that one, but whatever. That comes later on. Two games that I'm super, three games, honestly. The whole December 28th day is probably going to be the best games. You have... Auburn versus Purdue in the Music City Bowl. You have West Virginia versus Syracuse, and you have Iowa State versus Washington State. If I could only watch one of these, I'd watch the Iowa State versus Washington State game. Iowa State's head coach and Mike Leach are two offensive-minded guys. There's going to be a lot of points in this game. It's going to be a great game. That, to me, is, like I said, the whole day of December 28th, try and watch these games because they're all going to be good but if I had to pick just one out of them it's the Iowa State versus Washington State game um other games that are going to be fun I think the Northwestern Utah game that's going to be a hard-hitting like probably low scoring game but still going to be a good game and then uh Michigan versus Florida is going to be a good game but it's going to be a really fucking boring game like I don't like either of those teams or those coaches, anything like that. I'm going to watch it out of spite and, I guess, root for Florida. I don't even care, honestly. Probably I'll probably root for Michigan, honestly, because Big Ten records and conference records and bowl seasons are made and out to be a big deal when they're really fucking not. But those are just some of the list and everything that I see besides the New Year's Six bowl games and stuff like that that I'm looking forward to. Moving on, I got a couple questions more, this time from Snapchat. Jeff Prifty asks, Assumption or Sacred Heart? Um, Assumption. Always was an Assumption guy. I know now there's no real ties to it. I don't really have any ties to either school, but Assumption over Sacred Heart. Hopefully that doesn't get me in trouble with a couple of my listeners. Whatever. From Kyle Gregory. So, a few weeks ago, you said Dallas wouldn't win the East. Have you changed your mind? Um, I think the rest of the teams in the NFC East, all of them, the Redskins, the Eagles, and the Cowboys are all going to finish down the stretch 2-2, two and two. and at that point, I don't know how the tiebreakers are going to shake out, but however that is, that's who's going to win. But all, like I said, the rest of the teams are going to finish 2-2. Two and two. Dallas has, a, um, they have the Eagles coming up, they have at the Colts, those are the two games I think that they're going to lose, so... I definitely changed my mind on the Redskins, and I definitely changed my mind on the Cowboys. The Cowboys do actually have a chance now, and I do think they are obviously in the driver's seat to control if they make it, So, and I like the way they're playing. I The Saints victory was such a fluky win, though. Like Drew Brees never plays that bad, and their defense is not that good yet with Van Der Esch and... Jalen Smith, they definitely have that possibility, but not good. Like I said, it's a fluky win. But if Zeke keeps rolling, Dak 
doesn't suck and the defense plays half as good as against the Saints, then yes, the Cowboys, I've changed my mind. They'll win the East. From Jake Welker, will Urban ever coach again? That is a strong yes. Don't know where, don't know when, but it's a yes. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that coming up on the other side, but yeah, Urban's going to coach again. Um, some more questions from Ali Stevens. Is a hot dog a Sammy? No, just because it's on a bun does not mean it's a sandwich. Uh, you don't think of a hot dog as a sandwich. You just don't. So, no. Is lasagna a smoothie? Let me know. Um, is Ohio State going to suffer or thrive without Urban? That question comes from Jack Muldoon. Um, whatever. They're going to do neither. They're probably just going to stay the same. I mean... What's a little concerning is, I mean, not even under Urban Meyer, really. He didn't have much to do with the defense. But if Ohio State's going to try and make the transition from this high-powered, well, not high-powered, but run the ball a lot, have a mobile quarterback, like read option type things, and and be able to throw the ball, but not at the high level Haskins has been able to um, this year, then if they're going to transition from that to being what they were this year, Ryan Day's the guy, totally. But Ryan Day cannot have and handle a defense that was so inconsistent as Ohio State's defense was this year and continue to try and be successful on a national level. It's just not going to work. So they will continue to do what they're doing and be fine. It's just how he can... Hopefully have Greg Shiano get his shit together and make some small changes with coaches um, at positions on the defensive side of the ball that can improve their defense to what it was and continue progressing the offense, whether it's with Haskins or Tate Martell next year, whatever. Totally fine with either of them. Dwayne, I know you're listening. Bud, hey, sorry I didn't text you back. I was busy, but come back to Columbus next year as Ohio State's quarterback, that'd be great. That'd be wonderful for all of us. Win the Heisman back-to-back. But um, Ohio State's going to be just fine. I know we had a conversation about this earlier, dude, and you said they might struggle a little bit, like growing pains. I don't foresee that at all. He's got a super easy schedule next year. His toughest games um, are the last two. He's got Penn State, and he's got at Michigan he does have at Northwestern, but Northwestern loses a lot. So that'll be like maybe the trap game, the Purdue game this year. But I'm not too worried about it. Moving on, we have a question from Victor Peroni. He asks, NFL team that won't make the playoffs this year that you feel is closest to being a Super Bowl contender soon. Um, Let's see here. Right now, the teams that aren't really projected to make the playoffs right now that I think have an opportunity and all these teams have a theme you have to me the Panthers you've got the Jaguars you've got to me the Giants and the Broncos three out of those teams have really good defenses and if we've seen anything in the past it's defense wins championships the problems with the Panthers I have been recently on offense, 
not having a guy, a big play receiver that Cam Newton can get the ball to. The Broncos, it's been quarterback situation a little bit with Case Keenum. He hasn't performed as well. If Elway can get a guy in there with that defense that is more than just competent that Case Keenum is and what Peyton Manning was a couple years ago when they won, I think they have a good opportunity. The Jaguars, same. They've wasted this entire year with that defense. It's so upsetting because that defense is so fucking good. Um, The Giants, on the other hand, I think they're flipped. I think they've got an offense that can put up points and score with anybody if they have a better quarterback. Elon Manning, he's not dead yet, but he might as well be. No, oh, that came off really bad. Okay, he's not, not dead yet as an NFL career-wide. I don't want Eli Manning dead, but he needs to retire. And they're in a good position right now in draft-wise where they can get a good quarterback early. But he's probably, because I don't think Eli's going to come back. He probably will come back, honestly, and suck one more year. So draft a rookie, keep Eli, and let him teach him and groom him, and whatever you want to talk about. But those are some guys. Some other teams... The Packers, I think they, like I said earlier, if they can draft the right players and get a coach in there that can work and get his system in place, they've got a good chance. Falcons were plagued with injuries all year. I think they're coming. I mean, they were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago as well. They can return. I want to say the Colts because I like Andrew Luck a lot, but I just don't foresee that really being a thing and maybe the Browns who knows keep building that thing up and maybe the Browns but if I had to say right now if I had to give you a couple I'd say the Panthers the Broncos and the Jaguars moving on some more questions from Ben Logston thoughts on Satterfield he was referring to U of L football's new head coach Appalachia State under Satterfield was good um, 10 and 2 this year I believe and he's Got some connections in recruiting in the southern states where UofL already has pipelines in Florida and things like that. So he'll just only deepen those and widen those pipelines in those states and get... He's not going to reel in five stars and four stars like back to back to back like that. But he can obviously get players in and coach and compete and and get players that are going to want to compete and buy into his system and everything like that. I think this first year it's a free pass kind of what Chris Mack has got this year with U of L basketball. Any positives you do, great. We're not U of L fans, they're not expecting really much. And if they are expecting a lot out of Satterfield in this first year, you need to scale back expectations a lot. But I wouldn't be too concerned. Uh it's a good hire from Jeff Brom to Satterfield it does feel a little bit like a letdown that Brom rejected you all. And it's not me taking a shot or anything, but I would say that it might feel like you all are just settling for this, but if you give it time, it's not going to yield the results of a settle. It's going to yield the results of a good hire because he is a good coach and he does have a lot of upside that he brings to UofL with him. So be patient with him. Give him this next year to say, all right, well, you got to get your get your people in. Um it's going to be hard to come back and compete right away in the ACC because the reasons you did was because of Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson's just aren't growing on trees. Those are That's a hard player to try and find to duplicate and replicate what he brought to the program and what he meant to U of L football. But no, uh, my thoughts, it's a good hire. Don't 
feel like you settled, even though you sort of did, don't be discouraged. Give them time, and it'll be more than a good hire for U of L football. That concludes the mail sack on this edition of Carson Sack Podcast. Thank you all to all the listeners that sent in questions. That segment is not possible without you all, so thank you a ton. I truly appreciate it for helping contribute to Carson Sack. Now we move on to some NCAA football talk, and it was championship week last week, and there was a bunch of good games, a few duds. One of the duds was the game on Friday night, the Pac-12 championship game. You think of Pac-12, you think of high-scoring, offensive-minded teams, and that's just not what we got. Um, Utah, 17th in the country against Washington, 11th in the country at the time. Finished in 10-3 win for the Washington Huskies, which punched their ticket to Pasadena and the Rose Bowl. Boy, Utah did a real good job on defense this entire game, but... They just could not get anything going on offense. They stifled Jake Browning uh, for Washington, only 187 yards and a touchdown. Gaskin, the running back for Washington, who at the start of the year had some highs and buzz, 23 carries for only 71 yards. Not going to get it done. But offensively uh, for Utah, Shelley, the quarterback, only 137 yards and three interceptions. Just couldn't get anything going. Washington's defense really stepped up. That secondary played extremely well, which they've been doing pretty much the second half of the year. Um, Most importantly, the last two weeks against Washington State, two weeks ago in the snow, and then this past week against Utah. So hats off to Washington for their win there. Um, The American Athletic Conference championship game was UCF against Memphis. UCF was down in the first half. Um, rallied to a 56-41 win. Mack, the quarterback that came in for Milton for UCF, struggled a little bit early. He's only a freshman, but finished the day with 348 yards and two touchdowns. And then McCray, the running back for UCF, had 206 yards and a touchdown. It was an extremely balanced offense for UCF, which was important. Memphis kind of shit the bed in this on this one, which I... Mm, they... They honestly probably should have won this, but they didn't. And I under- I get like saying they didn't because they actually didn't. But UCF now has to play LSU in their bowl game. And it's going to be an interesting game, I'll tell you that. But the whole narrative is going to be if UCF wins, okay, well, LSU didn't care about the game. And if they win, okay, well, great. And if they lose, then, well, well they're UCF. They sh- they're not that good. But... Back-to-back undefeated regular seasons, back-to-back AAC conference champions. It's hard to argue with the success that they've had. Um, Clemson beat Pitt 42-10. That wasn't really much of a game. Oklahoma beat Texas in the Big 12 championship game. Kyler Murray had 379 yards and three touchdowns. Um, CeeDee Lamb had 167 yards and a touchdown. Um Johnson, the receiver for Texas, set the Big 12 receiving uh, receiving yards record in this game with 177 yards and a touchdown. Ellinger played really well, 349 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, though. It was Texas' defense that failed them on this one, and this win ultimately pretty much got Oklahoma into the college football playoff and might have sealed the deal for Kyler Murray 
to win the Heisman, honestly. Lincoln Riley called a hell of a game. It was a great game to watch. But in the end, Oklahoma got the job done. Let's see. Alabama. Yeah, let's talk about Alabama and Georgia. Georgia has played Alabama twice the past few years and have led 119 out of the 120 minutes that have been played. But Alabama has won both games. Um, I'm not trying to be a dick because I know it's pretty hard to beat Alabama, but figure it out. I know Ohio State doesn't play them a lot, and this is kind of like I I caught some shit from one of my friends that is a Georgia fan, and he was going off about how uh, recruits more want to come here. It's Georgia's the better program right now. It's on the rise, blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't beat Alabama. Figure it the fuck out. How can you not figure out how to close either one of those games when Jalen Hurts comes in, who is extremely one-dimensional, and I get he did throw the ball pretty well at the end of the game, but like the reason he was good is because he had time and he was able to run around. Get your defensive line to do shit and make plays. It's Georgia should have won this game. They were better than, than Alabama the entire game except for the last drive and then Kirby Smart with one of the dumbest fucking calls I've ever seen decides hey on fourth and 11 let's just go for it with four down linemen on the punt that's fucking terrible against Alabama and then you had one of your quarterback of quarterbacks that doesn't even play unless he's gonna run the ball pretty much and you have one punt he's not a punt like he's not on punt team like, they're going to know something's up. Just ridiculous. If you're going to go for it, line your offense out there. Fromm was killing it all day. Fromm on the day had 301 yards and three touchdowns, was shredding their defense the entire game. Just fucking go for it. Don't just pussyfoot with a fake punt. And your defense the entire game, I mean, they stopped Tua. He only had a touchdown, 164 yards. He had two t- interceptions. I mean, Christ's sakes, win the game. It's not that hard. Just Oh, it pisses me off because I don't like Alabama at all. But Georgia should have got it done. But hats off to Jalen Hurts for staying at the program. Speaks a ton of his character. Like I said, I hate Alabama, but I feel extremely happy for Jalen Hurts for being able to get benched in the national championship game and weather all the criticism and questions and self-doubt that probably came with that um, to stay at Alabama and sacrifice what's best for the team and have to a start and then to be able to in a moment like this come in put the team on his back really and win the sec championship for him you can't write scripts better than that in hollywood saving got emotional afterwards i did not get emotional but i like i said i was happy for him so if any good came out of the sec championship game it was jalen hurts and then we can talk about this a little bit. You have Ohio State at the nightcap game beating Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game. Dwayne Haskins was a yard shy of 500 yards. He had 499 yards, five touchdowns. J.K. Dobbins had 68 yards and a touchdown. And Johnny Dixon had seven receptions for 129 yards and one touchdown. Um, Ohio State jumped out to an early lead, looked like they were ready. And then same old problems with Ohio State's defense. Giving up big plays, allowed Northwestern to stay in the game a little bit. It was 24-21 in the third quarter, and then Ohio State pulled away for a 45-24 win. Dwayne Haskins, I love what he did. He flashed the Heisman after one of his touchdowns. It was big, big for the program. We're going to talk about the Heisman race a little bit 
Um, I think now I can talk about what happened with Urban Meyer. Um, today, earlier today, Urban Meyer announced that he was going to retire after the Rose Bowl game, which, in my mind, there's no question that Ohio State's going to win that game now. Hammer the M-line. But he announced he's going to retire. Ryan Day is going to come in. Ryan Day, as I said earlier, is the right guy if Ohio State wants to keep up this whole offensive attack that they've got going on. Did really well in the three games that he filled in for Urban at the start of the year. Developed Dwayne Haskins. All the good things. He mentioned in the press conference that he wants to establish and maintain the recruiting stronghold that Ohio State's had in Ohio, which you got to start in your home state. I love where his mind's at already. Um, I like where things are going with Urban, where they went with Urban. I mean, he's only lost nine games in seven years. That's very impressive. Hasn't lost to Michigan once. Um, did lose to Mark D'Antonio and and Dabo twice, but that's okay. What's frustrating, then this touches back on to Jake Welger's question, is do I think Urban's going to coach somewhere again? He didn't say no. And I, on Colin Cowherd today, he mentioned that a potential top 10 job could open up next year, which maybe, the first thing that came to my mind was USC, but they just hired Cliff Kingsbury, and maybe that's something that Urban would be interested in next year. Now that I'm talking about it, Auburn just hopped into my mind, and apparently the job that Cowherd has talked about is something that's interested Urban for a while. I don't know if either of those two are it. He's only 54 people, and coaches have coached way older than 54. Well into their 60s and 70s. I mean, friggin' Bill Snyder at Kansas State. I don't even know how old that man is, but he's fucking walking with a rocker sometimes. I mean, Joe Pa, too. I don't know exactly where, but he's going to coach again, and it sucks. Um, I don't know. Maybe he'll take a little bit more time off, maybe one or two years. My dad mentioned maybe the Browns. I really don't really care if that happens or not. I If he wants to go to the NFL and maybe not have to be as intense as he is and micromanage everything like he had to at Ohio State that he mentioned that started to take a toll on him last year and the product, as he mentioned, suffered when he did try and delegate and relegate things like that. I don't know, but um, in in. To summarize, I loved what Urban Meyer did at Ohio State. I appreciate everything he did. Didn't lose to Michigan. Got them the first college football playoff national championship. Had a hell of a run in one of the best stories in college football history, their national championship year. Did so many great things for the players and everything, and the talent that he produced and brought out and got to the NFL. Top-notch. And... I can't thank him enough for not losing to Michigan one single time. And Ryan Day, probably just pick right up where Urban left off. So that's that. That is my whole whole idea on where Ohio State football sits after Urban Meyer and Ryan Day picks up the ball and starts to run with it. Now that closes out the recaps of the college football championship weekend. We are now going to talk a little bit about 
I know I know I did mention that it was I did want to do a full breakdown of what of like the bowl season, but I do need to talk about the college football playoff. So it's Alabama versus Oklahoma and Notre Dame versus Clemson. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm fine with it. I didn't think Ohio State was going to make it, especially after Oklahoma avenged their only loss. Totally fine with it. Um, the Alabama-Oklahoma game is going to be really good. I think Notre Dame is going to surprise Clemson and beat Clemson. I think the way that Ian Book and that offense plays, how much scoring they can do. I know Clemson's O-line, is, I mean not O-line, D-line is best in the country, but I just think Notre Dame has a chance, and especially with the freshman quarterback in Lawrence, to cause, because Notre Dame defense is nothing to slouch, nothing to overlook. They have a chance, I mean they're 12-0 and for a reason. They've got a chance to get to him, because Clemson didn't really have that many big games all year. I mean, they did, but <clears throat> none where he was really pressured and challenged as much as he was, and he did have some injury troubles as well. Just a few things to think about. I like Notre Dame, and I like Alabama, but then in that championship game, I think Alabama destroys Notre Dame. I'll talk more about those two games next week, but I just needed to talk and express a little bit of what I was thinking because... I can't wait an entire fucking week to give you all my thoughts on what is one of the biggest happenings in sports of the entire year. I can't wait an entire week and two weeks for that to happen. So that's my thoughts on the college football playoff. Um, like I said, more on that next week. Now we are going to talk a little bit about Heisman contentions and who's going to win that. So if you've been living under a rock, the three... Heisman candidates are Tua, Tungalova from Alabama, the quarterback, Kyler Murray from Oklahoma, quarterback, and Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State, quarterback. Just some of their numbers. They have Haskins has 4,580 yards, Murray has 4,053 yards, and Tua has 3,353 passing touchdowns. Tua has 37, Kyler Murray has 40, and Haskins has 47. Interceptions for Tua, 4, Kyler Murray has 7, and Haskins has 8. Rushing yards, Tua has 190, Murray has 892, and Haskins has 122. And rushing touchdowns, Tua, 5, Kyler Murray, 11, and Dwayne Haskins, 4. For a total touchdown number of 42 for Tua and 51 apiece for Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. Total yards, Kyler Murray leads the group with 4,945, with Dwayne coming in second with 4,702, and Tua bringing up through here with a modest 3,543. People that I've seen are pretty much counting out Dwayne Haskins, which I don't think they really should do. What is interesting is that a okay amount of votes were already cast before Saturday, which I think is pretty fucking stupid in my opinion. Why do you need to get your vote in an entire fucking week early? It's ridiculous. And I do imagine that a lot of those votes that came in early were already for uh, Tua. What is another interesting thing to look at is that 
Tua and Kyler Murray are both in the South, so they are going to split that area of the vote pretty handedly. Um, I think Dwayne is going to get the Midwest region. So uh, it's not who the most valuable player is. It's who was the best. I think Dwayne has... an uh, Dwayne Haskins, I think, should win. He's not going to. It's going to probably be Kyler Murray, which is going to be back-to-back winners, quarterbacks coming from Oklahoma in back-to-back years, and this isn't even Kyler Murray's number one sport. It's fucking baseball, which is insane to think about. Just, that's fine. Whatever. I I threw $5 down on Haskins at plus 3,500, so we're racking in $175 if he wins. Let's cross our fingers and hope for the best. And... I know Dwayne Haskins is probably going to have to bite his tongue and say all the right things up there in New York the entire week that, oh, it's just an honor to be like in New York and be a candidate and vote good enough and blah, 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 but it shouldn't be. He's good enough to win. Um, for the people that did hold off their votes and everything until the championship weekend was over, Tua struggled. Kyler played pretty good. Dwayne had the best weekend out of all of them. Right now, he's playing better than all three of them. If you want to take into account team success, yes, Alabama had the best year, but that's Alabama. Um, People called into question the whole month of November that Ohio State struggled that whole month. I mean, they had the close game against Maryland, the close game against Nebraska, but Oklahoma had close games against Oklahoma State, Kansas. They only beat by 15 They had a tough game against West Virginia. You bring into the account of maybe arguments that uh, Kyler Murray really didn't do it against a lot of tough defenses, which he didn't, but that didn't seem to stop uh, Baker from winning it last year. That is an argument that you would think could help the other two, and it definitely would. I mean, Tua only throwing the four interceptions that he did throw against SEC defenses, which are thought to be the best in the country every year. That's something to speak about. Dwayne Haskins shredded Michigan's defense, which was number one in the country, um, according to a lot of people. Two weeks ago, Northwestern's defense was thought to be extremely good as well. TCU's defense is always good. I it's, I know it's hard for me to be impartial here because I do think Dwayne Haskins is the best player out of the three, but I just don't think that the narrative that ESPN that has, some people would argue, the SEC bias and Fox where a lot of Oklahoma games were shown. And yeah, I get that Ohio State and Michigan and Ohio State Northwestern were on Fox and they did a great job not politicking, but getting the idea that Dwayne should be in New York into people's heads on those broadcasts. But okay, whatever. At the end of the day, I think Kyler Murray wins it and that's that's that. I bet you it probably goes Kyler Murray, Tua, and then Haskins. And Haskins will have to bite his tongue, like I said, and say, oh, it's so nice to be here. But really, he should probably win it, but he won't. That's fine. Whatever. Congrats, Kyler Murray. You won the Heisman uh, for the 2018-2019 season. Moving on, we now talk about Week 14 in the NFL. And the Thursday night game is everyone's favorite Thursday night game of the year, the Jaguars and the Titans. Naturally, the Titans need this win more than the Jaguars, so the Jaguars will probably end up winning. Leonard Fournette comes back from his suspension. That defense played extremely well against the Colts last week, so I'm going to ride with the Jaguars on this one. 
The Jets and the Bills play each other. The Bills released Kelvin Benjamin today. He is just a big bowl of wasted talent, isn't he? Um, the Jets are probably going to lose this game. Josh Allen has looked all right past couple weeks. Um, I'm, I, I like how he played last week. Um, I'll take the Bills in this one. The Giants and the Redskins play each other, and Mark Sanchez is your starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins, and that's all I need to hear. I am going to take the New York Giants because Mark Sanchez is not a good NFL quarterback, and Eli Manning, even on his last leg, is better than him and can get... Oh, my... okay, hold on. This just popped in my head. Eli Manning doesn't throw the ball down the field, and Mark Sanchez can't really either. Do you understand how many catches that... Peterson and Bibb and then Saquon and Gollerman and all those other guys, the running backs are going to have on little check down passes. Holy shit, that's going to be a boring game to watch. Don't. Don't watch that game. You're going to punish yourself. You're punishing yourself as a football fan if you watch the Giants and the Redskins this week. I'm telling you right now. Don't fucking watch it. The Giants are going to win. I promise you. Just don't watch the game. Saints and the Buccaneers, the Saints coming off that loss against the Cowboys last week where they looked abysmal. It's a big bounce back game, statement game really. I think they put up a bunch of points and the Saints beat the Buccaneers. Um, I think Seamus Winston returns to form and throws a couple interceptions against the Saints as well. The Patriots and the Dolphins. The Dolphins are really just that like annoying kid on the block that isn't good but like talk shit a lot at sports, but he's not good, and he kind of just gets under everybody's skin, and everybody in this situation is the Patriots, and the Patriots every year kind of just like, like, all right, well, let's show them how really fucking good we are, and I think this is that game where the Patriots kind of go off. Um, last year, the Dolphins did beat them in Miami, so and everybody thought that was a surefire lock, and Patriots are going to win that. Don't think that's the case this week, and I think the Patriots win. They did bring back a little bit of note, Brex Burkhead, and he was mixing in a lot and taking cares away from Sonny Michel. Um, traditionally in the past, Belichick has always had a big, plethora, diverse group of running backs, and it's never been an issue. I don't think it's going to be an issue again, but it's just another little thing to think about that, hey, maybe there could be a chink in the armor there and everything, but... Things in the past don't really lead me to believe that that's going to be an issue for Belichick and the Patriots. The Ravens and the Chiefs play each other, and I think the Ravens are going to probably win this game. I know that's asking a lot out of Lamar Jackson to go into one of the toughest environments in the NFL in Arrowhead, but I think this is the game where not having Kareem Hunt, who hit a woman, well, it didn't hit. He pushed her and then kicked her. Um, I was also in a similar situation like this. Not with a woman, but with Kyle Gregory in 8th grade. Where I pretty much did the kicking a little bit lighter than what Kareem Hunt did. And no, it's not okay for you to kick a woman or strike a woman or push a woman. Anything like that. It's not okay. Um, deserve to be released. Totally fine with that. But for what I did to Kyle Gregory, I got a Saturday detention and a stern talking to, which is a load of bullshit. And Kyle, you know that, and the rest of the teachers at St. Albert know that. Beverly Gash, you fucking know that. It was bullshit. But I do not endorse anything Cream Hunt did. What is going to happen probably, though, is maybe not this year, but sometime next year, 
Kareem Hunt will get signed after a running back goes down. And I've seen some comparisons to like, oh, well, Ray Rice didn't get an opportunity to come back. But Greg Hardy did and Kareem Hunt did are probably going to. The reason Ray Rice didn't get an opportunity to come back is because he was fucking old. He was 30. He was past the prime ages of a running back. Kareem Hunt's early 20s. He's going to get another chance. Probably not this year, but like I said, some running back in, on a team is going to go down, and they're going to look for him, and Kareem Hunt's going to be there, and they're going to sign him. And that team is going to take a lot of backlash, and questions of Kaepernick and all this other bullshit is going to come up, and it's going to be a big talking issue and all this stuff, and race is going to be brought involved to it, because it always is. Because why isn't it? I mean, fuck it. Why isn't it? But... This week, we're talking about this game. Ravens, Chiefs, the Ravens, and Lamar Jackson get the W in Arrowhead. Now, another big game that needs to be talked about in the AFC South. We have the Colts and the Texans. I think that the Colts are going to win this. They lost 6-0 last week against the Jaguars. That's just not going to happen again. I think Andrew Luck comes out and kills it. Oh, hold on one second. Yeah, they lost 6-0 last week against the Jaguars. That's not going to happen again. And I think that it's hard to win um, 10 games in a row in anything, especially the NFL. So I think that the Colts come out and get it done with a big game from Andrew Luck. Moving on, you have the Panthers going to the Browns. I'm going to take the Browns in this one in a very close, hard-fought game, putting the Panthers at 6-7. and seven. I, that's dangerous territory for them, but I think the Browns with Baker Mayfield get it done. Mm, this next game, I do not care about at all. You have the Falcons at the Packers. I'll take the Packers because it's at Lambeau Field. That's legit the only reason why. Um, the Broncos and the 49ers. The Broncos need this win real bad. I think they can get to Nick Mullins and everything with their defense, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. And the secondary with Bradley Roby can do its job and slow down Anthony Pettis, who's been playing extremely well. Uh, Matt Britta is out for the 49ers, so their run game is going to be pretty questionable as well. I'll take the Broncos in that one. The Bengals and the Chargers. The big question is, is Melvin Gordon going to be back? If he is, I think it's a runaway game for the Chargers. If he's not, I still think it's a runaway game for the Chargers. They had a huge win on Sunday Night Football coming back from a 14-point deficit against um, 16-point deficit, excuse me, against the Steelers. So I think momentum continues to roll for the Chargers, and they get the W in that one. The Eagles go to the Cowboys, and the Eagles are going to win that game. I think the way that they are playing and the defense is starting to look like it did last year on their Super Bowl run a little bit. It's starting to look like it just a little bit. If they can turn up that defense a little bit more, more consistent and take the pressure off of the secondary that's banged up and make a few plays with their D-line, which they've been able to do, and the O-line has been blocking extremely well for Josh Adams to run the ball. They integrated Darren Sproles extremely well. Um, this past mon yeah, this past Monday against Redskins, Golden Tate finally got involved as well, catching a touchdown pass. So there's reason to be optimistic about the Eagles. So I'm gonna take it. Lions and Cardinals do not give a fuck about this game. Let's pick the Lions because there's no way the Cardinals are gonna win back-to-back -back games in this season. Steelers go to the Raiders. 
Steelers coming off two losses in a row. They don't lose three games in a row very often. I don't think that this Raiders team is going to be the team that does it for them. So I'm going to take the Steelers in this one. Seahawks and the Vikings play on Monday night. I think the Seahawks are playing too well. And Russell Wilson is quietly having a fantastic season. I mean, he's got... 2,716 yards, 29 touchdowns, only five interceptions. Seattle's got a running game now, sort of. Got a three-headed monster back there. They've got receivers with Baldwin and DJ Moore and Tyler Lockett that are playing extremely well. Not DJ Moore, excuse me. Um, Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin that are playing extremely well. Again, I want to be sold on the Vikings so bad, but I just can't. I just can't be. So I got to go with the Seahawks, especially since it's in Seattle. And then the Sunday night game that I omitted until last, because it's probably going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be the Rams at the Bears. And some people, I'm, I'm not sold on it yet, but I, I could be. Some people would say maybe a preview of the NFC Championship game if the Saints weren't to make it. I, again, I'm not one of those people that's sold on it just yet, but I'm looking. I might buy. I might buy it sooner or later. Um, the big question here is, can Mitch Trubisky play in this game? If he does, it's going to be a great game, but I think that the Rams end up getting it done. I think Gurley has a big, big game catching the ball because he has been underutilized in that field for a couple weeks, but catching the ball, he's one of the best running backs in the league, and it might be a little hard to get him going against that front seven running the ball, but you get him on a tough matchup for a linebacker or anybody like that out of the backfield, maybe line him in the slot, and maybe he can work his magic a little bit, a little, sh- little shimmy, a little shake here and there. Something to keep your eyes on. It's going to be a great high-scoring game, but in the end, I think the Rams and Todd Gurley are too much for the Bears, and they get a big win on Sunday Night Football. That does it for NFL talk for this week. At the start of the show, I did mention I'd talk about the NBA a little bit. Not much, really anything crazy going on in the NBA, but I do want to mention that I saw this tweet about the Warriors, and KD is being extremely abrasive. Yelling at fans, all this stuff. Not not of the Warriors, but yelling at fans, being a villain, sort of. Draymond's doing his own fucking thing that he always does. Clay is doing his own thing where he's calling out people, calling out the Cavs about their Halloween party pettiness and all this other bullshit. Steph is doing Steph things where he sort of is a prick, but isn't a prick and everything. And I, for one, what they are doing, I am 100% behind it. They, I think all of them know that, hey, like this is probably the last year all four of us are going to be together. I don't know who's leaving. I don't know if two of us are leaving, one of us leaving, three of us leaving. I don't fucking know. They don't know. I don't know. If they don't know, I sure as hell don't know. So they are all just saying, fuck it. We're going to say what we want and do what we want because we're the best team in the NBA when we're all playing together. And I, for one, I'm not a fan of the Warriors, but I'm a fan of how they're going about it, and it's just business. It's just, let's be dickheads. Let's win basketball games. It's the, I jokingly said it's the revenge tour, and it's not the revenge tour against any team. It's just the revenge tour against the media and pretty much anybody that they think has wronged them. And 
I am, for one, here for their dickhead attitude. I don't know why, but I am. So That's my only NBA spiel and thoughts and everything for this week on Carson Sack. This concludes the 45th episode of Carson Sack Podcast. I thank you all for listening and tuning in. Like, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, all that good stuff. Appreciate the support. Next week, we have the entire bowl game prediction show. Can't wait for that. That's going to be a fucking doozy to record. But I love you all, so I'm going to do it anyway. Thank you all for the support. I appreciate it. I meant to tell you all this last week because it happened over Thanksgiving break, but was at Gerstel's um, in Louisville. Shout out Gerstel's. And had this random guy that I had no idea who it was. And if you're listening, thank you again. But came up to me and said, hey, you need to keep doing your podcast. Like, I really like it. I listen to it at work and everything. He said it with a little bit more excitement. He wasn't upset or anything like that. But uh, it's cool that people I don't know listen to this and said something to me. To me, that's cool. Whatever. So like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good shit on iTunes so more new people could hear this podcast. And come up and talk to me at Gerstle's while I'm there trying to cake and get some cheeks. That'd be great. Thank you all for listening to the 45th edition of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. And as we always end here on the sack, we will be seeing you.